This is episode number 127 of the Weekly Wealth Podcast. This week, we're going to be talking with a friend of mine and local attorney, Michael Bagwell, about some of the uh, ABCs of residential real estate. So anything you've ever wanted to know about real estate, we're going to talk about. And remember, this is going to be general information. This is not legal advice. So if you have any specific questions about real estate, contact a licensed attorney in your state. And also, if you've listened to any of the 120 plus episodes of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, and if you've ever wondered what it might be like to work with me personally as your financial advisor, I have a really simple process. So go to my website, www.weeklywealthpodcast.com, click on the Contact Us button at the top, and that'll take you to my schedule. From there, you can schedule a quick and simple 30-minute appointment, whether it be via Zoom or in person if you're local. And at that appointment, we can talk about some of the 30,000-foot level aspects of your financial situation. We can talk about what's keeping you up at night and even some of your goals and dreams. It really is that simple, and there is no cost for that appointment. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and you learn a lot about residential real estate. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chudik, where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. We are the Weekly Wealth Podcast. And I like to say that we are a financial planning podcast but we don't always talk about your traditional financial planning topics. So we're not always talking about which stock should I buy? Which bond should I buy? What are the new IRA laws? Things like that. I like to empower our listeners to help them to have better financial lives. And one of the things that many of us do in our lives is is we buy real estate and and either to live in or to invest in. And uh, I wanted to have a friend of mine, Michael Bagwell, today, and we're going to talk a little bit about like the real estate process, um, what it's like to buy a house, some of the biggest mistakes that you can make when buying a house, why you need a competent real estate attorney, and just dive into that. Because let's face it, most of us, our houses are worth several hundred thousand dollars or more, and that's a large part of our um, net worth. So we want to get it right. So, uh, hey, Michael, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, David. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So I grew up just outside of Anderson in the Williamson-Pelzer area. Uh, went away for college and undergrad and uh, really want to get back to the upstate. Uh, it's just, it's a beautiful area close to the mountains and the lakes. Create a family and uh, have a family together. So I um, was super excited to get back and um, for Brad Richardson, give me the opportunity to actually come work for his firm, Bradley K. Richardson, PC. Uh, we're actually a uh, made partner two years ago now. So been practicing for 10 years, um, mainly really probably 95% of my practice area has been real estate, real estate related. And just uh, I've been excited to you know kind of see the time of where real estate really had kind of blossomed after the whole crash in 2006, 2008, when the crash happened um, between 2006 and 2010. I knew I wanted to go to law school. I'm one of those rare ones that freshman year knew what they wanted to do. Uh, not only did I know I wanted to go into law school, but I knew I wanted to be more transactional attorney, not the courtroom attorney. Uh, so I knew real estate was one I really wanted to look at. Uh, so I actually double majored in finance and real estate, trying to get kind of the realtor background and the lender financial background in undergrad so that I had that to go into law school and then get the real estate law background. So 
first, before we really get started, I wanted to en enlist your lawyer skills um, with, with, with some kind of a disclaimer. So we're not giving legal advice. We're just talking general information. And if you have any real legal questions, you should contact a licensed attorney in your state. How's that sound for a, for, for disclaimer there? Does that Sounds get your seal of approval? The way I always tell it is every real estate property is unique. So every case is unique. So I can talk in generalities today, but um, certainly everything's going to have an intricate little thing that may change what I say. So the, the facts are very important. So um, certainly if you've got a specific question, happy to answer those for you because uh, it may change a little bit. I'll try to go over the the broad scale of it today. And one thing that I also want to do is 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 when you when you throw out a legal term, I want to kind of ask you what it means. So you said you made partner. If you're not in the in the in the attorney world, in the legal world, what what is a partner of a law firm and and, and kind of what has to happen? What does that mean? Yeah, so it's essentially an owner. Uh, you have an interest in the business at that point. Um, private share and things like that. Uh, but it just means really you've kind of dedicated the time to it at that point. Uh, they, they've really seen you, your worth and your value. Uh, it's certainly kind of one of those things where, hey, we definitely want to keep you. We, we know you're a valuable point. So um, you know, we want to give you a, a piece of the pie at that point. Uh, but it really just means we're an owner of the company. Um, so we went from one owner to now we have three. So I've bought a few homes in my life and I've been in a few real estate closings and you show up to a real estate closing and there's an attorney with a, a stack of papers that's an inch and a half deep. And um, I I trust typically my attorneys. So I'm just like, yeah, you don't have to explain it all to me. Just tell me where to sign. Let's get the heck out of here. But um, obviously, there's a lot more to it. So so what does a real estate attorney do f from the time that I make an offer on a house and it's accepted or if I'm selling my house and I've accepted an offer? Walk me through kind of where, when the attorney gets involved and just what they do. Yeah. Um, so I'll tell you, our best closings are when really the buyer hasn't had a ton of contact with me directly as the attorney. It means your closing has went really smooth. Um, honestly, the day you come into our office and we have that stack of paperwork, your file is really done at that point. We are really just telling you where to sign and what some of the documents mean. Um, the heavy lifting, as I like to call it, has already been done. Um, so this is kind of the joyous, momentous occasion where, hey, we have come to finality uh, but where we really get involved and where we're mostly working in the background is once you get your contract, we have to order what's called title work. Essentially, it's a 40-year search of the property. Uh, and where people get real confused, they'll say, well, the home's only been there for five years. What do you mean you did a 40-year search? Well, that land the home's sitting on has been there more than five years. So we go back even looking if it's raw land in that 40-year period, uh, just to make sure that the chain of titles correct everybody that over and their 100% interest to the new owners make sure there's no liens or mortgages on the property where you can own it free and clear um, basically just making sure when you get to closing and you sign those documents you are the full owner and nobody can come out and try to claim an interest or a right in that property other than something we would have disclosed to you at closing easements things like that so let's say i'm buying a piece of land or i'm buying a home and I don't know, three owners ago, somebody owed money and they never paid paid back their mortgage completely. Is is that the kind of thing that a title search would would find? Yes, it should. So you've got mortgages that may be out there. Um, honestly, a lot of times there's equity lines where they paid it off, but the bank forgot to satisfy it. So we need to ensure that the bank actually satisfies that. So it's off the record. Uh, there may be judgment. Somebody may have not have paid their taxes, being the Department of Revenue or the IRS, and they file a lien. 
Uh, that liens against the individual, but it attaches to any property they own. Uh, so we have to make sure those liens are paid off at the closing or that they're released from the property if we can get them released. Uh, judgments have a certain amount of time that they do stay on record. So eventually they do expire. Uh, so we may see that and say, well, that's past the time frame of it. We can ignore that. Um, so it's just kind of those intricate laws. There's time periods, there's statute of limitations. We just have to know that. Even mortgages, if they've been on there for so long, they expire. Uh, so we can look at those. I mean, I may have a mortgage from 1980 that's still on the record, but I, as the attorney, know the law and it's that mortgage is not in existence anymore based on the time. Um, now, that's not saying every 1980 mortgage has that, but just as an example, some of those are already expired. So this is kind of a, an instance where, you know, you as the attorney, you're going back and and you're doing some maybe some tedious work that um, that really needs to be done because what could happen if I have a house and you as my attorney did not represent me diligently and there is a judgment or there is a lien against it and, and the house does change hands? I mean, would that be a huge problem? Yes, it can be. I mean, we've seen where people have owned the property and attorneys have missed one of the owners signing the deed. So all of a sudden this person has a quarter interest in the property. Uh, you may have paid $500,000 for the property, but all of a sudden this person comes out and says, hey, I want $125,000 of this when you get a sale. I own a quarter of it. Uh, some people are very nice and go, yeah, I meant to sell it. I just didn't sign. I'll sign for free. And others say, no, I want all the money. And some say, well, no, you got to pay me 10 grand to get off of it. So it's certainly the most important part of our job. Um, that's why I tell you, if you really haven't heard from me personally that much before closing, it means we've got a pretty clean title search. We don't have those title issues where I'm calling you saying, hey, heads up, I've got to track somebody down from 20 years ago to sign a deed before we can close. So, Okay. And, and what is title insurance? So title insurance, it's like any other insurance policy. It covers you for risk. Um, naturally, it does cover attorney errors. So if I make a mistake, title insurance will cover you for that. Um, but like any title, ins like any insurance policy, it insures you for everything they don't accept to. Um, so there's going to be exceptions in the policy. Hey, you have covenants on the property. You can and can't do this on the property when you're in a subdivision. Uh, there's an easement, a right of way where Duke Power can come in and lay power lines over this section of your property. Those things we're going to see in the title search. Naturally, if you're buying on Lake Kiwi, you're probably in a subdivision with covenants that says you can't have chickens on the property. We're going to take exception to that in the policy. So if you put in 10 chickens and the HOA says, no, you got to remove them, title insurance is not going to cover you for that. But title insurance is going to cover you for defects on your property that occurred before closing that we did not take exception to in that policy. And so what I mean before closing is that issue had to be created before closing. Maybe it didn't arise until after closing, but the issue was created beforehand. Uh, so if there's an easement that goes through the middle of your property for somebody to have a walking trail, and we did not disclose that and it's not accepted to in your title policy, after your closing, when this person says, hey, you need to move this garage, I've got an access right away through that and you're blocking me, title insurance will cover you for that. However, if you give that easement to your neighbor after the closing, you have created that issue after the closing, title insurance will not cover you for those defects. Um, so the biggest thing we're seeing right now with title insurance, it's a lot of fraud that goes around, be it wire fraud, 
uh, especially in this area on Lake Kiwi, you've got a lot of these very expensive vacant lots that are waterfront. Um, most of your sellers are, are non-residents. They live in a different state. Well, there are people impersonating them and actually coming in and saying, I'm the owner of this property. They're creating a fake driver's license. Wow. A lot of times they're stealing this person's social, so it looks legitimate. You do your closing. Uh, all of a sudden, after closing, the true owner comes in and says, why are you on my property? I didn't sell this to you. Well, you've got an invalid deed. The wrong person signed the deed. Title insurance will cover you for that, too. So we see quite a bit of that right now. Um, we're very alert on it because there's a lot of fraud going around. So that's the biggest um, statement for title insurance and why to get it. Well, that is crazy. And who who pays the cost of title insurance? So typically the buyer is going to pay that. Um, you have a lender policy and you have an owner policy. So if you're getting a loan, your lender most of the time is going to require title insurance and their lender policy only covers the lender. Uh, so if they have to go foreclose or anything on your property, that's when that title policy kicks in. If they find a defect in the property that prevents their foreclosure or hurts it, um, but certainly the owner is not covered on that. So you also have an owner policy uh, that covers the owner for defects in the property, but typically the buyer does. You're an attorney. You pass the bar. Legally, I mean, you could represent me in just about any type of a legal case, correct? Yes. But there probably are some types of legal matters that you have very little expertise and probably could not help me very much with. So how do I know if I'm buying a home who a good real estate attorney is because anybody who's an attorney can handle a real estate closing, but they may not have the the experience and even the office setup to be a, a very competent real estate attorney. So like what do you look for when when you're when you're buying and selling homes and properties? Yeah. Uh, so the biggest thing I'd tell you is certainly if they have a website, go on their website. Um, I'd almost tell you in this day and age, if you're a primarily practicing real estate law and you don't have a website, you may not be up to date on it. We all have to kind of be very computer literate in this at this point, talking with lenders. Um, so that's a good indication first. Do they have a website? Uh, but then just go in their practice areas and see what their practice areas are. Um, most of your real estate central real estate attorneys, you're going to see their practice areas are probably primarily going to be real estate transactional or commercial business formation and estate planning. Uh, you're mm -hmm. usually not going to see us be DUI attorneys or um, personal injury attorneys. We usually don't do a ton of that. Uh, a big reason for that is most of those cases you have to go to court for. And with real estate, we're very time sensitive on things. If I'm in court for four hours, I don't have time to sign documents to send them to the lender if an issue comes up the day before closing, I may be in court and don't have time to speak with the buyer and seller to try to resolve that. And at the same time, if you get to the day of closing, there's issues, repairs weren't done, sellers not moved out, we need to push our closing back three hours. Well, if I've got court the rest of the day, I can't really push your closing back. So then you're on to the next day. So you're really real estate focused attorneys. We're usually in office all day. That way we can accommodate those last minute changes. Whereas if we're in court half the time, we can't. And you mentioned estate planning. To me, and as a financial planner, I think we all need to, to 
to work with attorneys and we need to get our wills, our power of attorneys, our healthcare directives, all of those things done. And it seems like when you're buying a house, that's a major, major life change. And that's kind of a time to look at those things. Is is that a good time to look at it? And also, is that something that, you know, your typical real estate attorney would have, uh, you, you know, the availability to handle the, the basic estate planning documents? Yeah, I think it's a great time to look at it. I would tell you, really look at it when you go under contract. Um, one of the first things you need to see is how do I hold title? Do I hold it as tenants in common or joint tenants right of survivorship where it automatically passes to the survivor at our death. Um, that's a conversation we have with them a lot of the time. Obviously, in the deed, we can dictate how that property kind of transfers with that, but you have your other personal property and things you need to plan for as well, uh, especially when you have that home. All of a sudden, you're going to have more assets at that point to try to protect and make sure they do go to your heirs how you want them to. Um, you may have kids at that point and, you know, they're younger, they can't legally hold title to property. They can't legally sign for it to sell it. So are we trying to leave it in a will to your kid without a trust? And then if you die and your child's still eight, they're stuck and you spend thousands of dollars having a conservator appointed for them to sell the property. Um, so certainly right before you buy that property, when you're under contract, before you close, I think that's the best time to start looking at it. Um, if you have kids already and you, you're still renting, I tell you, it's already time to look at it. I think kids and marriage are two key points to go ahead and start looking for it anyways. Um, but certainly buying a home is one of those other triggers where you really need to do it. You know what they say, the uh, the mortality rate in our county anyway, is it's hovering right around uh, 100%. So uh, it's, it's going to get us all at some point and, and have our wishes and everything on legal paper you know, have life insurance, if it's applicable to your situation, just have all the things dealt with. It makes life easier for everybody um, involved. And I know that how you have your, how we have our homes titled can be very, very important, especially if we have, um, have kids involved. What are some of the biggest mistakes that people make when they're purchasing or, or selling real estate? I bet you have probably have some stories or two. Yes, I definitely could write a book. Um, the first thing I tell you is use local uh, and this is not the, hey, don't use, I keep them in business. This is really a benefit to the client to use local. Um, certainly, we love for you to use local. It definitely helps our business. But what I mean by that and why it helps your buyer and your seller, um, real estate is very unique. Uh, there's no two properties alike. Uh, every county is a little different. So you certainly want a realtor that is um, focused in this area, has the knowledge of that particular area you're buying in. Uh, for instance, take the Oconee, Seneca, Lake Kiwi area. If you're on the lake, you've got certain regulations on how big a dock you can have, how much shoreline you need before you have a dock, uh, how to transfer permits to the dock. I see all the time, hey, I'm buying from North Carolina. I have this real me. They're an agent. Well, they don't know this area, much sure. like I don't know the area over in North Carolina. I'm not even licensed to practice in North Carolina, but I wouldn't try to because I don't know that area. So if you have a local realtor, they're going to understand what you need and what you're looking for in that area. Same thing goes for lenders. I'd tell you lenders, it's the biggest thing. I have these people that always go for that national lender. Uh, I try to stress to them the local lender Usually the average home buyer buys a home every five to seven years. So while you are the lender's client, you're good for one file every five to seven years. 
your agent is a referral partner with that lender. They may be good for 15 to 20 files per year. Um, so naturally, when there's issues, your lender really, if they're local, wants to keep that relationship with not only their real estate agent, but the attorney, they're going to work a little harder for you. You're not with that national lender that you're just a number to them. Um, for instance, last week I had one. They asked for a document that they should have asked for a month before closing. They asked for it a day. At that point, they delayed closing from a Monday closing, said maybe Wednesday. We get to Wednesday. They say we can't do Wednesday. They put it Thursday at 4 o'clock. Thursday at 3.30, we still have nothing from them. We finally closed it Friday at 2 p.m. So it took us five days where I can tell you on that one, if I had a local lender, we would have closed that Monday before. Um, yeah. so we actually moved right during COVID. So we sold our house and bought our house in, in, in the same appointment. The, the buyers of our house, they uh, the funding did not get released. So actually, it, your firm we used to close and, and the founder of your firm had to come into the closing room and basically say, I'm not sure I can get you a check, um, you know, by the end of today. So we have an issue. And um, and he said, this is why I tell people never to use one of the 800 numbers, because the person that we use for our mortgage, he said, I have her cell phone number. I would call her and this would be fixed right away. Right. So uh, now it turns out that they did scour. He said, we're calling every 800 number we can from their website. We haven't been able to talk to anybody. Mm. About 15 minutes later, he came in with big checks for both of us. They got it solved. But for we may have been homeless for the weekend. And that could have just, I guess, in theory, we didn't have the money to buy our house. So our the the, the seller of the house we we're moving into, in, in theory, could have not let us live there for the weekend. So just kind of a big problem. And, and, right. it's and a having snowball a local sure. Usually there's back to back to back to back. If one closing doesn't happen, the next three fall apart. So uh, it's definitely a big concern with us. You want to make sure everything goes smoothly so the next three after you can close too. So, Any other big major, major mistakes that you see when buying or selling real estate? Yeah, I mean, if you talk to an attorney, a lender, or a realtor, they're all going to tell you not to take on additional debt after you go under contract and sign a loan application. A lot of people just don't understand what additional debt is. Um, they'll go to Best Buy or... Uh, one of the furniture stores and they'll want to buy that TV or that couch and they'll tell you it's 12 months, same as cash, zero interest rate. People think, well, I was already going to pay cash for it. I've got this zero interest rate. It's not wow, really anything yeah. doing. You're opening a line of credit at that point uh, and that can stop your loan. I mean, I've had them come in and buy the car before closing. You know, the car salesman said this won't affect your loan. Don't listen to the person trying to sell you something. Um, obviously, they have a benefit for telling you it's not going to affect it because then you're going to buy it. Call your lender on that before you buy anything. Check with them. Um, some of the best clients I've ever had, they took that to heart before they even bought food at the grocery store. They were calling the lender. Can I spend $100 at Publix? Well, at that point, I don't think we have to get that technical with it, but I do like that person that calls and checks on everything because that's the one that goes smooth. That's that's all pretty cool stuff, and I didn't even think about the same months, same same as a cash purchase. When you're buying a house, you may need some new furniture, so I wouldn't have even thought about that. But I guess that could potentially really stop a loan. And and um, if I were to add in a mistake that I think a lot of people make just in the home purchase process is don't buy the absolute most the the most expensive home that you can qualify for a loan for that typically leaves you with very little financial margin. Uh, we know COVID happens. We know 
economic slowdowns happen. And if the bank says, just as an example, you can afford a $2,000 a month payment, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe buy something that's eighteen hundred or seventeen hundred or or something just below because you're you you might be putting yourself in a position where there is a lot of financial stress if anything goes wrong. And let's face it, things go wrong in life. I mean, they they just do. And and buying the most important, the, the most expensive house that you can possibly afford sometimes puts some 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 undue stress. That's right. And I've seen it time and time where the person says, Hey, you can afford a twenty thousand dollar more expensive house. Um, don't necessarily do that, you know, do what you're comfortable with. And uh-huh. at the same point, make sure you do get pre-approved with the lender before you go looking for a home. Uh, don't go look at these, you know, half a million dollar homes. If you can only afford 250,000, know what you can afford and qualify for with a lender. Otherwise it's going to be kind of like car shopping when you go in there and you see everything and all these little nice features and you go, that's what I want now. And then all of a sudden you find out, well, I can't afford that. Let's knock off 150000 from that price. All of a sudden you saw the glitz and glamour and maybe that home you could afford while it's still a great momentous occasion for you. It's the American dream. You're going to own a home. You're now going to see these things that don't have all the upgrades that maybe the first three houses you looked at had. And you're going to start kind of having buyer's remorse at that point. I wanted that and I can't have it. Um, at the same time, I don't think most realtors will show you a house until you're pre-approved sure. so they can actually make sure you can afford that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, going on on that point, I think all these home shows, the um, house hunter shows, I think they make a lot of the average people just not content with with a normal house. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you get a normal house that maybe has a, a kitchen that's 15 years old. Hey, it still works. It's still fine. You don't, but, but you watch some of these shows and, and everybody, I think, thinks, especially, you know, when you're right out of school, you should have the same quality house that your parents have. Well, they, you know, they, they worked for 30, 40 years to get to that level mm-hmm. a lot of, in a lot of cases. Well, this was really interesting general information. Um, what general areas geographically, if someone were interested in, 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 in using you or your firm as an attorney, like what areas, what counties, what cities uh, do you service? Yeah. Um, so we have three offices. Um, we've got a partner in each office. Um, so our officer, Anderson, uh, Powdersville, technically Piedmont area, and then Seneca. So out of those three offices, we can service the entire upstate. Uh, with our license, we can technically do a closing for anywhere in South Carolina. But again, I say use local. I'm not at Charleston. I don't deal with the intercoastal waterway, much like the Charleston attorneys don't deal with the lakes down here. So um, while we are licensed to practice in the entire state, we really only want to practice in the upstate. Um, that is where we live. That is where we work. That is the area we know. Um, so, and that's the area we're familiar with, with all the little intricate details you have to know. And if anybody wanted to contact you or um, see any of your social, your firm's social media sites, uh, tell us where to find those. And we'll also put them in the show notes. Um, we do have Instagram and Facebook. It's Bradley K. Richardson PC on Facebook, and it's BKR Law on Instagram. We also have a YouTube page. It's just Bradley K. Richardson PC. Um, We just recently uh, recorded a few videos discussing title insurance and some common issues with closings. Uh, Our website is bradrichardsonlaw.com, and our office number is 864-222-0292. Extension 1 will get you to Anderson, 2 Seneca, and 3 our Powersville office. 
All right. Well, now it's time to put you on the spot. And I'm going to ask you the question that I didn't tell you that I was going to ask you because I asked yeah. this one to to, uh, to everybody. So, so as the Weekly Wealth Podcast, we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies that can help you to build and maintain wealth. So what does wealth mean to you? What is what what is the definition of wealth to you, to your family, and to the people around you that you care about? To me, I think you've got kind of two different forms of wealth. Um, you've got your wealth just, you know, for you while you're living. Are you protected? Uh, not only do you have wealth to live a comfortable lifestyle, um, but do you have wealth to cover those unforeseen issues? You know, the HVAC going out, um, just those things you don't really plan for every day and you hope don't happen, but you know will. And then I think you also have the the general wealth side of it. You know, what are you leaving for your children once you are gone? How are they protected? I, I think my key to wealth is how can the generations of my family after me live a better lifestyle than I did? So, hey, everybody, if um, if real estate law or just buying and selling of houses is something that um, that you're interested in, I hope that this provided some value, maybe some explanation of what some of the terms mean and uh, helps you to avoid some of the major real estate mistakes that other others have made. I know that I learned a lot in this episode. Thanks, uh, Michael. I appreciate your time. And everybody, until next episode, we wish you a blessed week. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me, David. And to all the business owners out there, don't forget to take your value builder score. Go to www.allofmyassets.com slash value dash builder dash score. You can learn how you can increase the value of your business and also get an estimate of the value of your business, what it might be able to sell for today. And if you are interested, you can go to www.allofmyassets.com slash endgame and download the free ebook, The Endgame ebook, which is a business owner's guide for deciding when to sell your business. The information contained herein, including but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other material obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. The materials are provided for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results.